Welcome to the first ever episode of Transformation Talks. I'm your host, Sam Forget, and today we'll be talking about why this episode almost never happened and why it has taken me fairly close to four or five years to actually hit publish after considering a podcast launch in the first place. And it's all rooted in something that I know you and I are both familiar with, and that is perfectionism. The idea of doing nothing at all just because the things we're doing can't necessarily be perfect. And neither of us need a lesson in how detrimental this is. We both know that. So that's not something I'm going to harp on. Despite knowing this, however, this is obviously a cycle that's easy to fall into and leaves us on square one day after day, week after week, month after month. Again, we both know this. But for me personally, when it's come to podcasting, I've always had such a mental barrier, so much friction between me and starting because a podcast is inherently imperfect. It's not like an article on my website that goes through eight rounds of edits before I actually hit publish and then gets constantly adjusted based on feedback, based on typos, based on another round of edits years after I put it out. It's not like a Facebook or Instagram post that I can just take down if it's not really good or I can just rewrite it if it doesn't get a good response. It's not like an email I might send you that gets buried in your inbox or an Instagram story that disappears after 24 hours. A podcast just feels so unforgiving and so permanent where I hit record, I make a thousand mistakes, they're all documented, and then I put that out. And that's intimidating, that's daunting, whether it's been an ego thing or what, that's always been enough to prevent me from starting. But I'm finally taking my own advice and taking consistent, imperfect action, because that's the only route to success, compared to, as cliche as it is, not taking perfect action inconsistently, which is what most people do, whether we're talking about a podcast, whether we're talking health and fitness, fat loss, nutrition, which we'll get into in a minute. Most people don't do anything to work closer to their goals, myself included from time to time, if those things we're doing can't be perfect. And again, I'm, I'm excited to share this with you. I'm excited to finally overcome this and put something out that I deem is imperfect, knowing that the only way I'll get better is by doing so. But there's a reason I'm telling you this, and it's not just to talk about my journey from thinking about a podcast to launching a podcast. It's to tell you how to break through that all or nothing approach, how to stop falling into that cycle so you can nail your nutrition specifically, especially if you have a fat loss goal, because that is the overwhelming majority of people that I work with. They all have some sort of fat loss goal, or again, at least the majority do. And most of them fall into the all or nothing approach from time to time. And this doesn't have to be the case. And there are a few strategies that I'm going to give you today for overcoming that some of which are rooted in science and math. So bear with me a little bit because they're incredibly important. And some that are a little more philosophical, some that are a little more big picture. Now, when it comes to the science and math, I find that education is such a valuable tool for overcoming the all or nothing approach. Because what most people do after, say, eating a cookie is they eat five cookies or 10 cookies, or in my case, maybe 20, because we feel like we blew it anyway. It's that subconscious dialogue where we're like, oh, I screwed up again anyway. I'm a failure anyway. I'll just start fresh Monday or on the first of the month or a couple months from now, whatever the case may be. But again, that all or nothing approach leaves us on square one because we spend more time waiting to take action than actually taking action. But something a lot of people don't realize is that one pound, a measly stinking pound, is equal to 3,500 calories. So to gain even one pound after overeating, you would have to eat 3,500 calories over your maintenance calories. Now, let's say your maintenance calories, which to be clear, are the amount of calories it takes to maintain your body weight are 2,000, just for simplicity's sake. 
for you to gain one pound, you would have to eat 5,500 plus calories to do it. In other words, if you have one big slip up, one big blowout meal, even like a full day of eating that's less than ideal, it is highly, highly unlikely you've actually eaten enough calories to do any sort of meaningful damage to your long-term progress. The same goes for a couple days or even a full week of not so great eating. What you're generally looking at and what generally causes most people to throw in the towel is a spike in water weight. Because when you take in extra calories, whether that's at maintenance or over your maintenance calories, it gets stored as what's called glycogen. Now, glycogen absorbs and attaches to water molecules. In other words, when you eat more food, you retain more water. Most people don't realize this, and they don't realize that it takes 3,500 calories in a surplus, I should say, to even gain a single pound. So between the two of those, we step on the scale the next day after having Chinese one night and retaining a little extra water, and we go, oh, I gained three pounds last night, whatever. I'm just going to say, screw it and start fresh on Monday when you shouldn't be doing that because you're not actually that far off from where you need to be. The things you have to do to put a meaningful dent in your progress are so much bigger than the things you're actually doing where you don't necessarily need to worry about it. Another kind of science and math, excuse me, science and math based thing that a lot of people find very eye opening is the idea of a weekly deficit, what your weekly average is compared to the day to day. For example, let's say your maintenance calories, again, for simplicity's sake, are 2,500. So it takes you 2,500 calories to maintain your body weight and you want to lose one pound of fat per week, we would put you in a 500 calorie deficit, meaning you'd be eating 2000 calories every single day for seven days to average about 3500 calories under maintenance per week. The body is not a perfect math equation, but that's the general idea. You'd be in a 3500 calorie deficit per week. Now, when you successfully do this for, let's say, six days, we're looking at six times 500, you're in a 3000 calorie deficit. But let's say on Sunday to kind of round out your week, you overdid it a little bit and you had 3,000 calories when your calorie target was 2,000. Well, if we keep in mind that maintenance for you is 2,500 and 3,000 was only 500 over that, if we look at your weekly deficit, all you did was take it from 3,000 down to 2,500, which is beyond negligible in the grand scheme of things. So when you keep these two pieces of information as kind of like I always tell my clients, your North Star takes a 3,500 plus calorie surplus to even gain a single pound. And what you're looking at beyond that is water weight and your weekly calorie average, your weekly deficit matters much more than the day to day. You have that information in your mind that gives you a little bit of peace of mind where you're not sitting here going like, well, I feel like I blew my progress last night. Well, what do the facts tell us? That's another conversation I'll often have with clients, feelings versus facts. This isn't to say your feelings aren't valid, but you're saying, well, I feel like I blew my progress. Cool. What do the facts tell us? And when you learn the facts, your feelings can change. And when you do have that massive weight off your shoulders, it's much less likely that you're going to throw in the towel saying like, oh, I blew it anyway. What's the point of continuing to try? So again, those are kind of the science and math-based things that prevent people from falling into this all-or-nothing cycle, but sometimes there are still mental hurdles. Sometimes we know all this science. We know the science of weight loss and water retention and weekly deficits, but we still do that anyway. We still have one cookie, and it turns into 12, and we have a really hard time getting back on track. And if you find that this is the case for you, you slip up a little, you slip up a lot, you know the strategies that you should be using to get back on track, you know the science, but you do it anyway, it's very likely that you're experiencing some sort of underlying level of deprivation. 
So whether or not it's top of mind that you're thinking like, oh, I really wish I could have cookies more often. If you have one and that does turn into two, three and beyond, again, it's likely that your usual plan is so restrictive that it's putting you in a position to have a hard time being moderate when you do have it. So let's ignore the science and math for a second. Your absolute best bet is being more flexible with your day to day. Because if you're not, you're just setting yourself up to do it again and again and again. I always say it's a symptom of a bigger cause. If you have a hard time getting back on track, it is almost always a symptom of a bigger cause. It is your subconscious brain telling you like, I don't want to go back to that diet. Save me, please. Like, I got to get it all in when I can. Because the second I go back to my usual plan, I'm going to feel miserable and starving. So again, we talk about the all or nothing approach. We talk about getting right back to business. But if the usual business for you is too restrictive, that's not a good place to be in. And you're going to want to modify your plan before you get back to it. As a few big picture benchmarks for that, I would recommend the 80-20 rule be applied to calories. That's a really good way to be flexible. A lot of people talk about the 80-20 rule as you know making 80% good choices and 20% not so good choices and that's fine. But when it comes to fat loss goals specifically, you will want to be a little bit more dialed in than that. So let's apply it to calories instead. If your calorie goal is say 2000 a day, 80% of that would be what 1600. So you could have 1600 calories per day allocated toward healthy whole foods and up to 400 as a sliding average, up to 400 be utilized on, let's say, a bag of chips and a beer. That's not the end of the world. And by doing that, by being so moderate, even while on a fat loss plan, you're going to find that you have an easier time mentally getting back to your usual plan. And all strategies aside, the science, the math, the underlying deprivation, the question I want you to ask yourself when you're ready to throw in the towel yet again and wait for the perfect time to start and not get back to business unless your X's and O's are completely perfect is the last, I don't know, 400 times you tried that, the last 400 times you turned to that approach, how did it work out for you? There's a good chance you're still in the same shoes now that you were in six months or 12 months ago if this is the cycle that you keep falling into. And I can't imagine that is not incredibly frustrating. I know it certainly has been for me in the past. So when you actually get really honest about where this is leading you, this all or nothing approach, which is two steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, two steps back, you can come to terms with the fact that maybe you need to be a little more imperfect consciously. You need to choose that and you need to take action. Excuse me. Anyway, otherwise you're going to be in square one. Because if I just hit re-record because I just got a little hung up in my words, I would never put out a podcast. And if you find that you never take action unless you hit your calories perfectly and all your food choices are completely perfect, you're going to find that you never see success either. And that is absolutely not something I want for you. So please keep this in mind moving forward when you're following planned. That consistent, imperfect action is always, always going to trump inconsistent, perfect action. 